This is the Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran podcast. Hey, family. Welcome to Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran. Thank you for listening today. As I am feeling emotional, but I solicit your prayers for the families of the victims in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and more immediately, the mother, father, and the family of Ahmad Aubrey. It was Miss Jane Elliott, an 88-year-old anti-racism activist, educator, and diversity trainer who said, we wouldn't have to have Black Lives Matter if we didn't have 300 years of Black Lives Don't Matter. After considering her words, after pondering what this wise woman said, I can honestly say truer words have never been spoken. They lock away our black men and throw away the keys, claiming this is justice to all Negroes for the whole wide world to see. Yet a crime is not a crime until the color of the committing hands. The rules change like a crooked game from a black to a white man. One white man killed two and wounded one claimed fear for his own life. Yet the two who died, whose families cried, had no weapon that fateful night. We're really in no position to argue with unjust laws and rules. Such spiritual wickedness in high places remove prayer from all our schools. So we stand firm in prayer together, praying for our children and sons, praying that God take full control, touch hearts and minds of everyone. Black lives really do matter, must go further than words we say. We must honor each other and hold us together, interceding every day. It's true there'd be no need today for the movement called Black Lives Matter if for 300 years blacks in fear had not been brutalized, beaten, and battered. Never thought we'd witness during this decade a man hunted, attacked, and lynched, or men claiming self-defense after chase commenced, caused my fist and teeth to clinch. Thank God for the live recording of the events as the matter unfolds. I could not believe to my sons I still cleave seeing a mission so demonic and cold. To Wanda Cooper Jones, you are never alone. In spirit, every mother is there. We know how to pray, interceding every day for your strength and the burden we all share. Just as his eye is on the sparrow, he watches each of us without fail. No matter escapes him, no time predates him. To his power, all else lay pale. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He will protect, provide, and repay. He sees every deed, will always provide every need, cover his own in each and every way. The most just judge is on the case, so no more worries, and don't you fret. For every sin and thought that is not like him, he will respond. God never forgets. You are in our hearts and in our prayers. We hurt for all that you've been through. To your family, everyone, and the memory of your beloved son. 
We pray God holds you up and always bless you. I am asking you all to keep this Wanda Cooper Jones, the mother of Ahmad Aubrey, in your prayers. I am in a posture of prayer because my limited understanding will not allow me to process the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. Just in case you have not heard, Mr. Rittenhouse, an 18-year-old young white male, shot three people, two of whom died during the protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after the unjust police shooting of Jacob Blake, a black man who was left paralyzed in August of 2020. In response, Black Lives Matter hosted a march to protest the police shooting of Blake that was fully recorded and shown on nationwide TV for the whole world to see. Blake, who was armed with a knife, was left paralyzed, but the white officer was not charged with any crime. However, Kyle Rittenhouse faced a jury trial with one count of intentional homicide and one count of reckless homicide, among other crimes. Rittenhouse's trial was centered on his claim that he shot in self-defense, that he was fearful for his own life. On Friday, November 19th, just one year and three months after the killing of two unarmed protesters and the wounding of another man, all white, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty on all charges. My body became numb at the announcement. Then I got angry as I had watched bits and pieces of the trial in its live unfolding. I observed the judge appearing to be completely biased toward this young man, frequently reprimanding the prosecuting attorneys as they tried to refer to those who were killed and the injured gentleman as victims. It seems the only victim the judge saw was Rittenhouse, the underage young white male who chose to attend a heated Black Lives Matter protest, carrying an AR-15 assault weapon with some 30 rounds, waiting for the squeeze of the trigger that could have ended countless lives in a matter of seconds that night. He even claimed that he was an emergency medical technician, and at one point he was there to protect Car Source, a local business whose owners admitted to not even knowing him. You see, I agree that he had just as much right to be there as anyone else, legally, if you overlook the city curfew. But socially, morally, and ethically, what was his intent when he, an 18-year-old, at that time, arrived in a city where he did not live, brandishing such a dangerous, illegal, high-powered weapon, an assault weapon. Now that story he and his mom told would have all to believe Kyle really just wanted to help protect and care for others. Beware when one's actions do not match their words. Deception is alive and well at the forefront. Mr. Rittenhouse's arrival brandishing an AR-15 alone speaks to his intent or at the very least a nefarious state of mind. Otherwise, why show up with a 
with such a dangerous weapon, underage, no real true story as to why he would choose to mix in such a hostile crowd in a city where he did not even live? Most reasonable people would realize you do not belong in such a setting and no good, no positive could come from your attendance. Not only did this young white man commit these heinous crimes, but the shootings, killing and wounding were all caught on tape. Yet a jury found him not guilty on all counts on Friday, November 19th, as the National Guard stood ready to defend the streets from potential post-verdict unrest. Thankfully, the streets seemed quiet and unbothered at least to the public eye. Yet my heart was so heavy that day as my attention turned to the then impending verdict in the Ahmad Arbery case, where countless black ministers surrounded the courtroom as the case was being heard. My concern was very real after the world had witnessed the jury in Kenosha, Wisconsin, finding a young man innocent who was so wrong on so many levels of his decisions and actions that even Stevie Wonder could have seen his flaws. Now the least of his faults was his inability to exercise good judgment. Yet a court of law to whom I refer as a court of the lawless once again found in favor of lawlessness, which brings me back to Georgia where the case of Ahmaud Arbery was being heatedly debated, and while I watched in horror, I am still troubled by the fact that three men who were neither approached, attacked, or even noticed by Arbery were claiming self-defense against a young, black, unarmed man who just happened to be jogging through their neighborhood. Of course, he had stopped at a home that was under construction, in the neighborhood, but I have yet to hear of any, any behaviors that would raise the threat level to a need to be chased and approached with a loaded gun while jogging, not towards the gentlemen, but away from them. Even more outrageous, Lord have mercy today. These men were claiming self-defense, citing that they feared for their lives and the younger defendant claimed he feared for the life of his son, whom, by the way, was not even present. With only a single African-American on the jury, I asked God to give wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to all who were shouldered with such heavy a burden as the world watched with bated breath. I prayed that the outcome of the Rittenhouse case would not serve as a precursor to what we would endure in the Ahmad Arbery case. You see, my heart became heavy and tears welded up in my eyes each time I considered the mother of Ahmad Arbery in that courtroom, learning firsthand how her baby boy had been hunted, brutalized, trapped, and publicly lynched by two men in a quiet neighborhood in Brunswick, Georgia, while the third man recorded I cannot contain my tears even today when I consider the father who probably taught his son to ride a bike 
or his little boy how to throw a ball when it was revealed that his fingers had been shot off. Yet two grown men, a father and a son, who both had a son, still claimed their intent was to make a citizen's arrest. Yet they never informed Aubrey of their supposed intent. The father even suggested that he feared Aubrey might try to get into his truck, a ridiculous stretch as they tried to paint this young black unarmed jogger as one so scary that they chased him down and had to shoot him to defend themselves. I pray that so many more than me would find this entire defense a shameful, outrageous, inexcusable sham to acquit three white men in the brutal modern-day lynching of an unsuspecting, unarmed Ahmad Arbery. Additionally, the defense attorney characterized the black clergy that faithfully attended the trial, sitting with Arbery's family, as a ploy to influence the jury. One defense attorney further stated that he wanted the judge to declare a mistrial due to the number of black pastors or black ministers being allowed in the courtroom, a request to which the judge flat out refused several times over. You see, a mistrial would, in spite of all the facts present and evidence difficult to refute, allow these guilty racists to return to their lives and their families free after hunting, brutalizing, trapping, and publicly lynching this young black man who was really minding his own business on that road in Brunswick, Georgia, in quiet Glen County, back on February 23rd, a year and some nine months ago. I am beside myself and in prayer for the parents of Ahmaud Arbery because I am the mother of two young black men and this young man could have been any of our sons. So for all who are saying, I don't have any sons or this has nothing to do with me or my family, please recognize if you are black or of a minority group, this case has everything to do with you your family, the implications of your son, your nephew, your cousin, uncle, brother, friend, father, your husband, or any and every man in your life who just happens to be African-American. It was so hard for me to realize when my oldest son, Quentin, left home to be on his own, that I had no strength no power to protect him and shield him from all of the uglies that he would have to endure out in the big, bad, real world. Then when my younger son, Eddie, started having seizures, and I was always the one person at home with him through those seizures, God revealed to me up close and personal that even the one to whom I was the closest in proximity I still did not have the power to protect him. Family, what I am trying to express to you is that location, however near or far our children, however old they become, and no matter how much love we have for them, we are not able to protect them. My son had seizures from the age 
of 18 to 23. Five long years. And during each, I felt myself kneeling, praying, crying out to God beside him. And still I was powerless to keep him from having the brutal episodes. Yes, I was helpless and felt hopeless. But God, I still had to call on an almighty God for his help, his grace, and his mercy. God heard my cries. After five years, God heard my cries and he answered my prayers. God used the condition of my son to teach me undying faith, but patience was a major part of the process. As I waited, I talked to God. Oftentimes my face was wet with tears because I love my children and want only the best for them. I guess that's why I partially understood the quiet tears of Ahmaud Arbery's mother. Not that I've ever lost a child, but the pain she had to feel hearing of how these white racists brutalized her baby and she was not able to be present to help ease his pain or to pray him through. Sadly, her baby did not survive the vicious ordeal, but God healed my baby from those seizures and he continues to protect both of my sons. To God be all the glory because where I was helpless, he became my strength. I am saying he because I had to learn that I, in my weak human form, am neither strong enough nor extraordinary enough to protect or shield my children from the dangers that they may navigate daily. But I assure you, I serve a God who is well able to protect, defend, and provide. The one who came so that we all might have life and have it more abundantly. Such revelation causes me to pray especially hard for Sister Wanda Cooper Jones, Ahmaud Arbery's mom, and pull my sons closer, even find myself interceding for black and minority men, some of whom I don't even know. I urge you today, if not for your sake, for the sake of that precious black man in your life, adhere to Isaiah 55 verses six and seven. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Yes, I am suggesting that you let love lead you and allow the love that you have for your son, your nephew, your brother, cousin, father, for your beloved husband or the black man for whom you might be willing to live and for some even willing to die. Make him your aching motivation to seek the Lord as God is the only one who can truly protect and defend each and everywhere they go. In other words, your prayers, remember the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous. That is you once you completely commit to following the Lord. The effectual fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. First of all, you learn to give those babies back to the Lord as he is the one who gave or loaned them to us. 
Then you speak life into the presence of those babies, wherever they are, however old they get, whatever they are doing, you are a child of God, you belong to God, and he will take care of you. And lastly, we cover them in all that we love under the blood of Jesus. Now, for those who may not understand that statement, allow me to expound. This phrase refers to the blood that Jesus shed when he was on the cross that now covers our sins. Pleading means to make a heartfelt appeal or request. When you say you are pleading the blood, you are declaring the power that Jesus Christ has over Satan and his schemes through the shedding of his blood for us. Those who are familiar use the phrase pleading the blood because of what the Israelites were told to do during the Passover. You see, the Israelites covered their doorposts with blood as the 10th plague came upon Egypt where the firstborn died. The blood around the doorpost then protected the Israelites from the final plague. According to Exodus 12 and 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In addition to our modern day plague, COVID-19, too many have been stricken with hatred, abuse, miseducation, criminal injustice, un and underemployment, unfair place-based policies, lack of opportunities, an unjust legal system, feeding systemic racism, among other inequitable practices. But please know that the blood still works. I don't think I could be a sane parent today if I was not in tune with God, his word, and the power of pleading his blood. The Israelites, who still had challenges, were indeed protected when they did as the Lord told them to do. Today, the word of the Lord is saying, seek me, call on me, because I can protect, defend, and provide. If he be for you, he is greater than the whole world against you or your son. This message must resound with us as we face so many obstacles with our sons and our families today. The word further urges us, be ye holy for I am holy. You see, the only way for others to know we are his, that is God and Jesus Christ's disciples is if we walk in his will and in his way. That is being holy as he is holy. That means inviting the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, God's Spirit, so that we can stand firm when matters like Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd arise. You see, it is written in Isaiah 59 and 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Today, family, the enemy is flooding our streets, our neighborhoods, our schools, some even our homes, our government. And so we must arm ourselves, not with guns, but with his spirit, the spirit of the living God. 
so that divine standard, God's power is lifted. Only the Lord can keep us from falling and no matter where our children go or how far they are out of our sights, no matter how old they get, the blood of Jesus covers where our eyes cannot see or our hands cannot reach. Knowing all of this, I know that I could not make it without the Lord. The cases that we are discussing causes my heart to ache for any mother who has had to sit in a cold, impersonal courtroom and learn from audio and visual accounts how her son was brutally hunted, attacked, cornered, and lynched in broad daylight. Additionally, once the officer arrived, he showed greater concern for those committing the lynching than for an unarmed Ahmad Arbery whose lifeless body lay on the road where he thought he was taking a peaceful jog through a peaceful neighborhood. Family, today I am trying to make sense of these cases that seem to stink of white privilege, the divisiveness of an unseen enemy and the inequities of our unjust legal system. Yet, let me remind you, we learned Friday of a young white male, Kyle Rittenhouse, who went to a city where he did not live, nor did he belong, on August 25th, 2020, illegally carrying an AR-15, breaching a curfew that was set for the safety of all, untruthfully claiming he was an emergency medical technician and that he was out to defend a business whose owners were neither there nor did they even know Kyle Rittenhouse, as they admitted. Most egregious, this same, at the time, underage young man shot and killed two people and wounded a third person. But on Friday, November 19th, this young man, after all these criminal behaviors, including the murder of two, was acquitted of all charges. He was free to go home and move on with his life. On the other hand, my nephew, Stanley Jr., a young black man, among so many others, has been sitting in a prison in South Carolina for going on nine long years after officers found a weapon at his residence during an illegal search and seizure. No violent crime, no one was wounded, nor murdered. Since his incarceration, his four children have had to grow up in the absence of their father. His mother buried her husband, Stan's father, in his absence. In 2016, my brother Derek, Stan's uncle, with whom he grew up, was buried in his absence. Then in 2019, my brother John, Stan's uncle and barber, to whom he looked up, was buried in his absence. The ongoing travesty is an absence of justice for another young black man. No one has given us a release date. No one is entertaining an appeal date and no one in the legal system seems to care that this young black father and son, brother and nephew, who sits waiting and wondering, 
His young life was placed on an indefinite hold after a weapon was found at his residence. His black life, along with countless other young men, still matters. Please remember Kyle Rittenhouse took two lives and violently changed the lives of countless others, yet he walks free and has been even esteemed as some see him as a hero who will make an excellent junior senator, they say. Others have said he deserves a congressional award for which he may be voted to receive. I know. I know so many would hear my words and again say it does not have anything to do with them. But I must remind you, if we allow the unjust practices that seem to offend or affect just a few, so it seems, to continue without so much as a firm stand together in opposition, soon those unfair practices will directly affect you and yours. The late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. so eloquently stated, injustice to anyone, anywhere, is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a singular garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I am asking you to seek the Lord and pray, pleading the blood of Jesus over every black male about whom you care. Now, I do not want this to sound like I'm insensitive or uncaring when it comes to men of other races, because I've got men from every ethnicity in my family and pray for each and every one of them, giving no regard to color. But I have stressed the black man because it seems this is the at-risk group of men who appear to be under attack on every side. And I just happen to be the mother of two young black men, the daughter of a black man, the sister of four young black men, the aunt and grand aunt of countless young black and mixed race men. And the list goes on and on and on. As a mother, we always want to protect, remove all hurt, all fear and any unfair forces. So I know about that love that makes us want to endure the heavy burdens of them. But God does not have us or it set up that way. His setup specifically requires that we make him the largest in our lives. And he is at the forefront, the very center of everything. So our relationship with him is not for him, but for our own selfish reasons and benefits and the ones we love the most. God has a plan and makes a way of escape during every trial we endure. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Where the riches of God cannot supply you, where the eyes of God cannot see you, where the hand of God cannot reach you, where the love of God cannot sustain you. Black lives really do matter. I pray God bless each of you with a special blessing. If you are blessed to be the mother or father of a male child 
who just happens to be a black man. As a mother of two young black men, I want to inform you and remind every black man, young, black, and full of life, you brighten my every day. Yours is the smile I ponder for a while, call your name each time I pray. Give you time and space when I see your face, but train you up in the way you should go. Teach you day and night all wrong from right, could lose your life for what you don't know. Love you so much, reach for your little hand to touch or the innocence in your big eyes. Want to prepare you, protect and take care of you, enlighten so there is no surprise. With each new year, I want to share new understandings as you learn and grow. Knowledge I will lovingly share, making it crystal clear. Arm you with all you need to know. Will instill how important you are, the lessons from your scars, how you must never, ever be afraid. God made you separate and apart, how you will always have my heart so fearfully and wonderfully made. I believe God gave some of us sons, so true love will have won. None compares to how moms love boys. Tis truly a special kind of love ordained by God in heaven above. Fill mom's heart with pride and joys. Be honest, keep your head up, trust and depend on God and acknowledge him in all of your ways. To your own understanding, never lean from God's word, always glean. He will be with you good and bad days. Remember for your life, God has a plan. Your now and future in his hand. He has all that will be required. Remain in the shadow of the most high. You are the apple of his eye. He will keep you uplifted, encouraged, inspired. Well, family, this is number 83 of Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Friends. I must remind you that in all things, we must still give thanks. Not because we enjoy our challenges, trials, and tribulations, but because God's word has said, in all things, give thanks. In other words, if we praise him while we're in the midst of our most trying times, he will bring and see us through and all will be well because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. No, we do not always understand why God allows situations like Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, or George Floyd. All too tragic for our minds to even begin to comprehend. But we must still trust and depend on the sovereignty of God. I want to remind us of Isaiah 59 and 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Not if, but when. You and I already know that the enemy has been rolling in like a flood for years now. And it seems the attacks are becoming progressively more bold, more vicious, and too close to home for comfort. So if you had not realized how much you, you needed the Lord in the past, 
I need you to understand that with every passing day, we need him more and more. You see, the enemy is not playing fair and he seeks to steal, kill and destroy. Even more immediately, he has declared war against the people of God. And just as it was in the days of Herod the king, he seeks to kill every male child, particularly, especially black males. Please hear me well when I say our only defense for our young black and minority boys and young men is our faith-based relationship with God. When we give birth to our children, but especially our baby boys, we have got to give them back to God for his omnipotent connection and divine protection. Only the power of God is able to shield and protect against the enemy. It is my responsibility and your responsibility to put on the whole armor of God as we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't want to sound spooky or crazy, but like a mother who loves her sons and knows that only a loving God is able to stand and secure my children as they move and grow and live in this beautiful world that's full of so much evil and so much hate. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. However, God is able to sustain our babies. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, God holds the future and it behooves each of us to trust God. That word means to benefit. It benefits each of us to trust God, to sustain our babies, our sons, our young black men in his present. Let us cover our babies in prayer as we plead the blood of Jesus over each of them, our households, and all that we love. I pray that you remain diligent in prayer and in all things, always give thanks. Please don't forget to say something on my Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page. You can listen to me on Amazon Music or YouTube. I welcome your questions, comments, critiques, and suggestions on topics you'd like to explore. Who knows, you might just end up being a guest on an upcoming broadcast. Remember, I'm just a regular girl navigating this diverse world. Until then, take care of yourself, each other, and stay blessed. The Faith, Family, and Fundamentals with Fran podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Log on to castropolis.net.